be here. Uh, I moved to uh, stayed up north about three years ago because our office asked me to come back to the home office and base out of there. So uh, God has forgiven me. I hope you do too. And uh, and we'll see come come Thanksgiving weekend if the good guys win or the 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 blue team up there wins. We'll see. <laughs> uh, as I as Bill um, mentioned. Um, my name is Jim Loker. My wife's name is Jamie. She just had a, uh, an operation a couple weeks ago, and she's home with one of our grandkids. So who's going to win here, uh, Victory Life or my my uh, grandchild? So my grandchild won. Um, by the way, sir, your your mom is here this morning. Buenos dias, hermana. Buenos dias. Bienvenida a la casa del señor. Um, I'll go back to English. Okay. <laughs> we are missionaries in a place called Oaxaca, Mexico, which is uh, one state over from Chiapas, which is on the border of the country of Guatemala. Uh, a, there's a picture. Yeah, I look like I've been at, at this for a while. And my, my young-looking wife, uh, she is a bit younger than I am. Uh, she says I robbed the cradle. Um, I'm with a ministry called Audio Scripture Ministries. That's our website asmtoday.org. We minister to what we call non-literate people. Non-literate people are people that are, um, are, it's not that they don't know how to read, but they don't want to learn how to read. This is about 70% of the world's population, believe it or not. And a bunch of people in the U.S. fit into this category too, because they would prefer to just hear, listen, they don't hardly read a book. If you look at the stats for high school graduates and college graduates, when they leave school, they hardly ever pick up a book ever again. Well, we focus on Oaxaca, Mexico, this one state that has 120 language groups. Mexico as a country has about 280 people groups, distinct people groups that each speak a different language. So of those non-literate people in Mexico, probably it's not 70% that don't read or know how or want to learn. It's more like 99.9%. We've recorded uh, the scriptures in languages that have maybe 20,000 speakers, and one of those people, one of those people knew how to read. One knew how to read out of 20,000. That's a, that's a fraction of a percent. So uh, script, audio scriptures are, are, are desperately needed. Uh, we've been in Mitla, Oaxaca since 1994. Uh, we have a studio there. We do work all over the country, as I said. We have six different technicians who go out to villages, and we record in our studio, and we record also uh, out in the field. Uh, Mitla, Oaxaca, where we live, it's a very picturesque state, very touristy if you wanted to come down to Oaxaca and visit. Uh, but, but Mitla, from our house to Laredo, Texas, is a a short 18-hour trip, uh, mostly high-speed roads, but it's a short 18-hour trip uh, through uh, some mountains and some, uh, some dangerous parts of Mexico, but by and large, uh, we've done it a few times, and uh, the Lord's been with us. We record the scriptures uh, in languages. The New Testaments are translated. They're put into a book, and, uh, and it's not useful. The book is called Good News. Uh, but it's not good news for people that don't, know, that don't know how to read. It's just a bunch of symbols that don't mean anything. 
So if we can record it and put it onto audio devices, we are able then to, uh, to place the scriptures into the whole community. Everybody can hear the word of God. Um, we also distribute audio content. This now is our latest audio Bible. This, is, this has 300 hours of audio capability. And you can, you, you can uh, listen to it with a, with a headphone. You can plug it into a sound system and, and the entire church can hear it. So these are $32. Just everybody always, someone always asks me from the, from the congregation, how much are they? They're $32 with the New Testament on it. So if you want to get these for the Quora people, this happens to be a Quora from, from Western, uh, from, West, uh, from Jalisco, from Nayarit. And, uh, and this is uh, the missionary that's coming next week wants to reach people from the Quora language. And so you can reach people with this audio Bible. Also, on the back of your phone, you have a little micro SD card. It's that little tiny memory card. You get them easily with 8 or 16 gigs, and you can put a New Testament on that. So people that have feature phones now, a feature phone is a non-smartphone. Uh, and, in that, and in your cell phone, then, you take out that SD card, and you can put an SD card in that has the, the scriptures or it has the Jesus film in the language. So you can listen read along or the scriptures, or you can actually watch the Jesus film on your phone. So it's, it's, it's very cool technology. The last one for smartphone people, there's an app. Write this down, write this down, Bible.is. This is an app for everybody. I don't see you writing it down. Write it down, Bible.is. And if you want to download it, go ahead and download it. It's not proprietary. It's free. And Bible.is has, has over 1,300 New Testaments from all over the world. You can select a country and you can go to that country and see all the languages that have been recorded and that are available. Mexico has 132. So we still have a ways to go. But the technology is very cool. The technology is keeping up with, uh, with technology uh, in the secular world. We were here two years ago. We can advance now. We were here two years ago and this is a picture of my family. Uh, we raised seven kids on the, on the mission field. Three of our youngest were born in Mexico. One of our sons was born in Guatemala. They all look pretty white, though. Uh, they came from us. <laughs> uh, we also have, in the last two years, we added two grandkids. So we got two little babies that are being held in the back, the two littlest ones. And uh, we have two more due next, next week, or next year, I should say. So if you ever think about, like, Beating on your children, don't, because this is the reward you get for not beating on your kids. They're called grandkids, and they are, they are great. So just all in jest. But, um, in the last two years, too, we've expanded our studio there in, in Oaxaca. This is a picture of the construction. The next photo is a, that's the finished product, so we've almost doubled our capacity. We've got more room for teams, for housing, and for doing two and three different projects at a time. Here, we, we record the scriptures and we also, we dub the Jesus film. This is a picture of a technician. Uh, one of our technicians, his name is Eddie Martinez. And he's been working with us for about eight years. He's a young guy. I think he started when he was about 15. Uh, but he's a young guy and he's, uh, and he, you can see the, the, the waves on the computer and the laptop. We have, it's in a template. 
And so he records the, the different portions, and then he's able to delete the, the space and bring it all together. Now, we record multiple, start, don't start it yet, we record multiple voiced record, vo multiple voices. And the problem is, if I told you, there's one reader in 20,000, so we don't have a bunch of readers. So what do you do when you don't have a reader? You have to have somebody read it, and then you have to have somebody else repeat it. Run that video. The lady in the pink is the translator. I filmed this on my phone, I'm sorry. Uh, I hope you don't get motion sickness. But, uh, the, the lady in the pink is a translator. The man in the yellow shirt is the native speaker, and he's got a microphone on, and he's recording. You might also notice that he's blind. This is the only man that was available to record this language, the Sapotec language of Oaxaca. He is blind. So, yeah, we could. So, we can take that man, use his voice, and we can record the scriptures and make it available to people all over that community. We've recorded 10 New Testaments in the last two years. Now we're up, a, a, more than 80 have been, have been uh, actually recorded and are available. Um, we, we also recorded the Cora. You can see the, down here in Tepic, now Guatemala, or excuse me, Oaxaca is right around here. But we, we flew uh, one of the readers down to, to record in Oaxaca from the Tepic area, and he, he read that Cora language that I talked about. Go on to the next one. This is a, a, a group of the Cora believers. They're a very simple church building, and they got really beautiful dress. I, I had another picture of them in, in bap, being baptized along the river and just gorgeous clothes. Um, and they made most of them themselves, too. So uh, you might have heard this last month we've had a couple of earthquakes in Oaxaca, Mexico, and, and Mexico City. Uh, this is a picture of people that live along the coast. Yeah, they speak Wave. Uh, 198 homes were destroyed. 98 were partially destroyed. Uh, several churches are, are now gone, too. So there's a lot of relief work to be done. Uh, in the last two years also, we've distributed about 1,500 of these audio Bibles in probably uh, 30 or so different languages. And uh, 1,500 to go to families like such as this one, where they can get together and listen as a group. And then we also have another audio Bible that's a little bit bigger. Next slide. And uh, these are people that receive what they call a, a proclaimer. It says, thanks God for the delivery or for, the, for, the, for them receiving the Bibles and audio in the language of Totonaco, which is a language of Puebla. So all these folks are going to be taking their audio Bibles and starting listening groups from extended families, from Bible studies that will turn into churches someday, we hope, very, very soon. In the last two years, we've also hosted about eight different groups from the U.S. Our last group was, was just, uh, yeah, you can take it down. Our last group uh, was able to experience two of the earthquakes. They're very fun, very fun to be in an earthquake where everything's shaking. Our group was fine. Uh, we did not have any problems, but... Um, but a lot of people have died from that. It's so it's, um, it, 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 but it's, it's, it's an experience where we distribute audio Bibles and in villages, and uh, it's, it's just marvelous as you see people's lives changed.
And my motto has always been to do whatever it takes. So we weren't anticipating an earthquake, but we had one. Um, that's life for those people. And uh, uh, we, we feel blessed, but yet at the same time, I think um, uh, we don't really see God move as much here because we don't have to experience a lot of the, the sensations that other parts of the world with earthquakes and hurricanes and tsunamis, what they experience. I think God is, is moving stronger among them. Um, we've been in missions full-time now for a long time. It's, we, I remember those days like the Neelys where we're, we're trying to raise our support and go to the field. And we're going for the very first time. We're pretty excited. We're developing partners. We're prayer partners and, and partners who will give to us. And uh, so now we're on the other side. We're, we're like 30 years past and uh, so people now are asking us, not when we're going to start, they're asking us, so when are you going to finish? When are you going to finish? Well, we're not quite done with the languages of Mexico, but we'll finish when Jesus returns. I think that's what the scriptures tell us. We're going to finish when Jesus returns. So this week and next, you're going to be hearing more about the, the Great Commission and how you all can get involved. I think a lot of times in churches, we, we sort of coerce people to get involved. You know, it's got to really come from the heart. And, and I believe that if you are compassionate about something, that's when you're going to jump on board. Now, you're in church this morning probably because you want to hear maybe an old missionary talk, but maybe you want to feel from God, maybe you want to hear from God, maybe you have a need, but, but God's here to touch your heart today. He's, he's not here to coerce you. He's not here to guilt you into doing something for missions, to give, to go, to pray. He wants you to be part of it. You know, the scriptures tell us that where your heart is, that's where your, where your treasures are, that's where your heart is, too. You know, if you have your, your little vet from 1966 sitting in your driveway, I, I love vets, I don't, I've never owned one, but if that's your treasure, that's where your heart is. And I think we need to look at the example of Jesus. He put the verse up early, but we have to look at the example of Jesus as as truly, as he, as he listened to the Father and he walked the earth, what did he see, what did he hear, what did he feel, and what did he do? And I think we can, if we look at the scripture today, we can, we can see those three things and maybe a little bit more. So Matthew 9, 35 to 38 goes like this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Lord, we just come to you this morning. 
We pray, Lord God, that you will touch our lives, touch our hearts with your word. Lord God, that you will move throughout this service through your Holy Spirit. Lord God, that you'll teach us more about missions and your heart for missions. And we pray, Lord God, that you would change our lives during the transcourse of this next half hour or so. And we pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. I might have, uh, I probably should have prayed for the Cleveland Browns today too, but, um, but uh, um, yeah. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> First of all, we need to see as Jesus saw. In Matthew 9, 36, he said, he saw the crowds, they were harassed and helpless. They had, Jesus saw the great need of lost people. Just by looking at them, they were troubled, confused, they were without hope. Jesus saw the lost as helpless, aimless. Well, how did he know that? Well, he's Jesus, okay, so he can see, okay, this guy's lost, this guy's helpless, this guy's aimless, this guy, oh, he knows. But, but, you know, this was a crowd that was a, probably a general cross-section of, of that community. Some were rich, some were poor, some were educated, some were uneducated. They were dressed different ways. Some were sick, some were really sick, and some were, were totally healthy and wanted to hear something about Jesus. They wanted to know what was going on. Some came because they wanted to be healed. What about us? What about the people we come in contact with? You know, I, I do Facebook. I do. I do Facebook a little bit. I have a Facebook account. But, you know, friends on Facebook aren't really friends. They're not people that know who I am. They're not people that really care. And you know what? Frankly, I don't necessarily know or care about some of those people that are my friends on Facebook either. The Spanish language is, is really, it's great in being more descriptive than English. You know, when, when we talk about knowing someone, like we, want, we talk about knowing God, we talk about knowing our wife, uh, it, they use a, a verb called, with, called conocer. Conocer is to know Intimately. It's to know intimately. It's to know the heart of that person. It's to know the life of that pe person. It's to care about that person. The other one is saber. That's to know about. You know, you know about this. You know about, yeah, you know about, uh, you know, Mount Rushmore. I know about Ru Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I know where it is, basically. I've been there. But I don't know Mount Rushmore. So God wants us to know. He wants us to know him. And, and, you know, he wants us to care for people. He wants, to, he wants us to know these people that we care about as we see the lost. If you walk down the sidewalk, you ever see those movies in New York, uh, New York sidewalks where there's like a gazillion people and they're all walking and nobody's looking at each other. But you notice, even in church, people aren't making eye contact. We don't necessarily care to know about the, the other people. We got maybe something, other, something that's on our mind. We have a, a commitment after church. I, I understand all that. But we're not even looking to, into the eyes of these people. Jesus looked into the eyes of these people, and he saw people with a, that were lost, and he knew that they had a great need. We can tell. Sometimes take a look into people's eyes. Someone at work, someone at church, someone at school, wherever. Look into people's eyes and see where they're at. You can almost tell, what, you know, are they, are they there? Are they looking at their cell phone? 
are they there or are they looking at Facebook? Are they there with you? I mean, the, the epitome is when, when my wife has to call me on my cell phone to let me know dinner's coming. Okay, you know, if I'm upstairs or she's downstairs, okay, honey, I need to be down there at dinner time. I need, I need for you to see me face to face because she cares for me. Jesus also saw these people as sheep. Sheep are really dumb animals. Um, there are sheep in Mexico that are parked alongside of the road, and sometimes they back up into the road. You know what you call those kind of sheep? Taco meat. <laughs> Taco meat. And believe me, I've made at least one of those sheep into taco meat. When a sheep turns over on his back, he can't get up again. He can't. There's nothing that he can do to get him up. So what happens? He's got two choices. Someone can help him get up like a shepherd, or he can lay there and get attacked by an animal, or he can just die from lack of food, water, the heat. We're like sheep. We're like sheep. Lost people are like sheep. But even believers, a lot of times, we're like sheep. We're just like, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not in touch with what, what, what Jesus wants us to do with our lives. These are just, this was just a local group that Jesus was working with. But how about the greater need around the world? According to the Joshua Project stats, there are 16,600 people groups. A people group is like, it's a nation. It's a, it's a small group that, um, you know, in, uh, in Matthew 24, the scriptures tell us that the word of God is going to be preached to all kingdoms, to every nation, and then the end is going to come. So it's all those nations. It's 16,000 of them because it's all the different people groups. So Mexico is one country, but it's got 280 nations. 280 nations. United States is one country, but we have a lot of nations represented here of unreached people groups. And more coming every day from Asia, from Middle East, from, from the Americas. We have all kinds of, of these ethnias, these people groups. There's only 195 countries in the world. Well, okay, that's not 195 countries. Yeah, we, we, we probably have representation in all those countries. But among every ethnia, among every people group, no. Of those 16,667 of them are considered unreached. That's like 40% of them, 3 billion people. Okay, 3 billion, uh, I've never counted up to 3 billion. But I know that the United States has 323 million people population. So if you take the United States and multiply it by 10 countries. It's 10 countries with the population of the US. Those are the number of unreached we have in the world. 3,323 3, 3, times, times 10, basically. Some more sad facts. Islam is increasing, growing at a faster rate than Christianity. And yes, we are reaching different parts of the world, but guess what? The number of non-believers is growing every year. So we reach people, but there are more non-believers that have been born that are growing up as non-believers and are not being reached. 
So for all our efforts, we're losing ground. We're losing ground. So Jesus not only saw the great need of the lost people, but he also saw the great harvest of lost people from this first part of 37. The harvest is plentiful. I, I picture this in, in, out of this verse that when Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, he's looking at, uh, he's looking at, a, like a, he's looking at a bunch of trees that all have these apples on them. They all have these peaches on them. You ever go to a place where you can pick your own apples, pick your own peaches, pick your own, well, we up in Michigan, they have the pick your own blueberries, but they're all over the plant. They're all over. They're just waiting to be picked. And what happens if you don't pick them? What happens if nobody picks them? They fall on the ground and they die. But I'm, I'm thinking that Jesus is saying, the harvest is waiting. Just join in. The harvest is there. You know, it's not, it's God's job to open up the hearts to the gospel. But it's our job to go to the field. God's already done most of the work for us. And lastly, what we see, Jesus is seeing the great need for more workers. We as believers are the workers. Sometimes we pray. That's hard work. To diligently pray for people, that's hard work. To give, to sacrificially give, that's hard work. And then to go. Yeah, I've been, all, I've been in all three of those, but go. Going is a, is, it's, it's one thing to go on a mission trip where you have a round-trip ticket. It's another thing to go with a one-way ticket. My son has been in Indonesia for the last four months. He's going there as a full-time missionary. He's there with his wife and my two little grandsons. He was in the picture. He was a tall guy. But God touched his heart when he was seven. And so he spent the last 21 years preparing to go to the field. Now he's 28, and he's there for long-term missions. We must join God's army. We don't have a choice. We must join God's army. And as believers, we are called to make a difference, not just a living, not just a living in this world. We're called to make a difference wherever we're at. We have to see the world through Jesus' eyes, see the lost. The lost are all around us. We also need to feel what Jesus felt. In verse 36, he said, the scriptures tell us that he had compassion on the people. The Message Bible tells us that Jesus' heart broke for the people. Compassion is one of those, one of those words that, you know, a lot of times we, don't, we, we can't, we, we really don't understand what that means. But have you ever had your heart broken? I have. Have your, has your heart ever broken for the lost? I only heard one yes. <laughs> Thank you, though. Jesus knew what kind of mess these people were in, and he looked at them, and he said, man, my heart breaks for you guys. You, you guys are a mess. Not that you're poor, not that you're uneducated, but you don't know the Father. You are just out there somewhere, and you don't know the Father. 
You have no clue why you're here in this world. You're here to know God and to make him known. This is one time that Jesus showed compassion. It wasn't the only time. Jesus had a, his, he was compassion. He is compassion. In Matthew 14, he had compassion on the sick. He saw the sick people. What did he do? He healed them. In Mark 1, verse 40, he saw a leper. The leper was begging on his knees, if you're willing, Jesus, you can heal me. Jesus said, I'm willing. I have compassion for you. I'm going to heal you. Mark 9, a demonized man. He's out of his mind. He's under the control of, a, of, of, of the evil one. Jesus heals him. In Matthew 20, blind men are coming to him and, 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 and wanting to be healed, and Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes, and they had sight. The one I like the best is the prodigal son. He talks about the prodigal son, the sinful son who, who left and, and hoarded all the father's, uh, his, his inheritance. And, and even though he had done that, his father saw him coming towards him. And it's a picture of, the, of, of God himself. The father was filled with compassion because the son was dead, but he was going to be alive again. He was coming back to the father again. Jesus' compassion, his heart is in tune with God the Father's heart. What's the condition of our hearts? How are we this morning? Are we in tune with the, God, with the, with the heart, Father's heart? Do we, are we, are, do we know him and love him like we should? A lot of times we focus on the Great Commission. And, and I love the Great Commission. Next one. We go into all the world and make disciples. That's what it's all about. But you know, I think sometime we, we're coerced into doing this and, and we're not really understanding that there's a love, there's a love with the Father, a love that compels us, that, that shows the compassion, the compassion that Jesus had. I think of going back to the basics you know, in, in, in football, even at the pro level, football and basketball, a lot of the difference between winning and losing a game is just in the simple basics of the game. A, a missed tackle in football, a missed block in football, a poorly thrown pass. Steph Curry, you ever see Steph Curry dribble a basketball before the game? I mean, it's, you see it on TV. He's dribbling, he's passing, he's shooting. That's not rocket science. He's just doing the basic kind of stuff. It's the basic kind of stuff. He's dribbling, he's passing, he's shooting. But you hardly see him miss a free throw. And they win, when they win by two points, he's made 20 free throws. It's because of his, his ability, his basics, practicing the basics, that, that he's able to make the difference. So bringing this back to what we're talking about this morning, the basics for us is knowing Jesus. Knowing God, having the heart of the Father. So it's, it's, sometimes we have to go back to studying the scriptures, to the praying, to understanding what we call the great commandment. 
A Pharisee asked Jesus, said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Loving the Lord with all our heart is the key to every aspect of our life and ministry. Jesus loved the Father with all his heart. He was in tune with them. And that's the reason when he saw the condition of the people, his heart broke. And this is the missing component in our lives a lot of times. We've lost that, that love that we once had, that we once had when we were first believers. So our heart doesn't break for much of anything except if it affects us. It's not a, we're not breaking, our hearts aren't breaking over the, over the, the situation in Bangladesh or in, in Vietnam or, or in the Middle East where Christians are being put into jail and, and actually executed. And our hearts aren't breaking even for our neighbors. Probably one or two of your neighbors are lost, I, I'm guessing. And my neighbors are lost too. We can walk by people all day long and not even think about them. And not even think about, wow, these are probably most of these are lost people. We can be, we can feel like, wow, I really need to do something. And, and, we, and we start moving forward and we sort of get burned out real quick. But, but you know, if it's something in our heart, if it's compassion, that we have, then we don't get burned out. We are, this is like, this is like the forefront of, what, of who we are. It's ministry. I remember a couple of, of pastors were talking and, uh, and uh, one of the pastors was sharing with the other ones about the day he had. And he's, oh, this happened, I had a flat tire and this happened and this happened. And the other pastor said to him, wow, it really sucks to be you. Have you ever heard that? That's a California statement. Uh, it really sucks to be you. Like, wow. Like, how much compassion is in that phrase? Like, hey, no, dude, I need to go help you change your tire. Or, you know, let me, let me take your kids to school or something because your car's out of commission. But, wow, it sucks to be you. Yeah, that says it all. But that's how the lost world looks at things. It sucks to be those people, as long as it doesn't affect me. David had a different idea. When we look at Acts 13.22, David, this, this is, Paul wrote this, and, and, and it's, I, I took it from the Message Bible because I think it says it better than the NIV. God said, I searched the land and found this David, son of Jesse. He's a man whose heart beats to my heart. He's a man whose heart beats to my heart. He's a man after my own heart. But his, his heart beats to my heart. He understands who I am. And he will do what I tell him. There's no choice. He's going to be obedient. We need to be more like David, to have that heart after God, that heart, our heart beats like his heart. 
So we not only need to see what Jesus saw, saw the lost people and their condition, to feel what Jesus felt, compassionate for others and doing something about it, but we need to do as Jesus did. So this is where his compassion comes in. So in, in verse 35 of Matthew 9, Jesus was teaching, preaching, and healing. So he was just going about doing his normal ministry kind of stuff. But when Jesus felt compassion, he always did something. He never said, I feel compassion for these people. Let's go have lunch. No, he always did something. He, he healed people. He, 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 he touched their lives. He taught them. Jesus felt compassion, and he's, he always acted upon it. The love that we have for the Father, as that love develops, leads to a compassionate heart. And then we're compelled to do ministry. We're compelled to do ministry. We're, we do it out of a, out of a great, grateful heart. We look for opportunities to go above and beyond. We sacrifice. We're, we're called as believers to use our time, talent, and treasures. I was happy to hear in the news just the other day that for Hurricane Harvey, 80% of the relief work is being done by Christians, churches, and parachurch organizations. 80%. I, I, was, I was elated because we are putting our faith into action. We are moving forward and ministering to people however they need to be ministered to. Some of those people are going to come to faith. Maybe a lot of them will come to faith who are not already believers. When you have that love for the Father and you have the compassion for the lost, you do crazy things. You do crazy things. I've been around crazy people for years. They're Bible translators. 50 years working among unreached people groups. Guy named Bob Earl. He's with the Lord now. He translated the scripture into four different languages. The lady you saw in the, with the pink blouse, her name is Marilyn Valverde. She spent 20 years battling all kinds of obstacles, discouragement, to try to get the scriptures done. And when there was no reader, she said, we, we have to do this. We have to record. We have to record because God's got to hold us accountable. This is in our court. We need to make these scriptures available to the community. We need to change them. They need to know Jesus. And so she battled and battled and battled. And now the scriptures are being made alive to people in, in that community. My friend Juan, Juan Marcial, he was my neighbor, but yet he was ministering to his home people group, which was about a six-hour drive and then about a four-hour walk. And he walked those hills. He ministered to people. A lot of times he had nothing to eat. He had no money. He wasn't paid a salary. So people would give him food from time to time. But he managed to plant churches. Before his death, he reached the three different towns that spoke his language group. He recorded the New Testament with us, and he dubbed the Jesus film with us. It causes you to do some crazy things, like to go to the mission field, like to give beyond what, to, 
to sacrifice to be able to give to a cause, to give to a missionary, to spend hours on your knees in prayer. It causes you to do crazy things that God just smiles about. He says, wow, they're getting it. Jesus did ministry. Yes, he did ministry. And he also prayed for more workers in the harvest. Remember, he already said that the harvest is there. The harvest is already there. So let's pray for more workers, and we're going to go. And you know what? He says, we're going to send workers into my harvest field. He didn't say the harvest field. He said my harvest field. Well, it said in the words were his harvest field. So it's his. It's his. It's, it's, it's a done deal. And he's asked us to do the same. He's asked us to go, to pray. He's asked us to do ministry. I remember when we were working in Guatemala years ago, and, and I was enjoying Guatemala. I, I loved the Guatemalan country. We were working in people, uh, two different people groups in the, the northwest part of, of uh, Guatemala, among the Mom people, among the Quiche people. And we were seeing churches being planted. We were seeing people listening to the scriptures. We were seeing lives changed. But guess what? We had heard about a need in a place called Oaxaca, Mexico. I thought Mexico was reached. And so I heard this need. And so my wife and I started to pray about it. My wife said, I don't want to go to Mexico. Every time I drive into Mexico, I feel oppressed. So that's why we need to go. And that's, and through the course of time, God called us to work there back in 1994. So don't pray. Don't pray for the harvest because God might send you. Some of you are listening. Good, good. <laughs> yes, we need to pray for the harvest. We need full-time Christian workers now more than ever. Look at the stats. In the year 2000, that's 17 years ago, 450,000 workers. It, sound, it sounds like a lot, yes, but it's scattered all over the world, and a lot of them are concentrated in places that, that are not unreached. And now it's dropped to 386, mostly because Americans have decided to stay back home. And beyond that stat, there's this other stat about one in every 10 missionaries working among unreached people groups. One in 10. So if you're not praying for the harvest field, you need to start. Because we need more people to go to the harvest. We need to see as Jesus saw. We need to feel that compassion that Jesus felt. And we also need to move into ministry, just as Jesus did. Because Jesus felt compassion, and he always ministered to that need. I have a friend. Uh, his name is Pastor Ugo, H-U-G-O, Ugo. Pastor Ugo has, he's a, a Sapotec pastor. He lives in, in a, a small village that is against the gospel. He's been beaten up because he, he's a, a minister of the gospel. He's been thrown in jail because he's a minister of the gospel. He's continued to love his people, and when they picked all the families up and took them to the edge of town 20 miles away and said, don't ever come back, he still loved his people. It 
They proceeded to tear down the church. They proceeded to tear down his home and the homes of all the other believers too. He still loved his people. His wife contracted leukemia. And it was late in the process, and, uh, and she died within three weeks. I was at his funeral, at her funeral, and he came up and hugged me. And, uh, and I, I figured, you know, he was crying. I figured he was going to say, uh, this isn't fair, you know. Uh, all these things have happened to me, and now my wife died. And what he said to me surprised me. He said, I don't have a helpmate anymore. So who's going to go with me to minister to my people? This love in Jesus and Being sold out like guys like Google caused us to do crazy things. But I guarantee you, you go home today, even this afternoon, and you start to pray and just start to develop that love relationship with God all again. And loving Him with all our heart, our soul. and our mind that we'll start to understand God's heart. We'll start to become more like David. Our heart will beat with God's heart. We'll develop compassion for this needy and lost world. We'll start to love our neighbor even though he's not very lovable. We'll start to love our family members. They're even less lovable. And we'll start to become obedient and do what God's called us to do. You'll, you'll no longer have to be coerced into giving money, into praying, or into going. Because it's going to be part of who you are. Close your eyes. I'm going to lead us into, into a prayer. People always ask me to talk about missions uh, because I guess I, I know a little bit about it. I'm still learning a lot, but uh, this is too this is serious stuff. I wish I could just talk about like you know fluffy stuff, like you know I talk about hey the Cleveland Indians are going to the playoffs, they might win the World Series and. We can just talk about those fun things. But, you know, that's not what life is all about. I don't know where you stand this morning as you're sitting there. I don't know where you stand as far as your commitment to loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. I, I don't know. 
and I'm not making a judgment call. I'm, I'm going to pray, pray this prayer with you, but I, I, I know that, that I need to love the Lord more than, than I do. You don't have to pray out loud. You can just pray to yourselves, but these, these are the words I want you to ponder. These are the things I want you to ponder. A prayer of surrender. As I come to you now, Lord, to be restored in you, renewed in you, and to receive your life, your love, and all the mercy I so desperately need. I honor you as my only Lord and Savior. And I surrender again every aspect of my life to you, my spirit, soul, and body, my mind, heart, and my will. That includes my intelligence and my desires, my health, my family, my resources, my occupation, my skills, my relationship, my joys, tears, successes, failures, fears, past, present, and future, and all the wounds that have come as a result. My insecurities, my memories, my agenda, my calendar, my Facebook, my, my time, my hobbies, my emotions, worries, concerns, problems. I surrender all these with all my heart and soul. I open the secret places of my heart to you. say, yes, Lord, my only Lord, receive everything I am and receive everything I have. I hold nothing back. It all came from you, and I return it to you. Now use me, Lord. Help me to love you. Help me, Lord, to have the compassion that Jesus had for this lost world. Show me what you want me to do. Lord God, may, may the word sacrifice be a normal word in my vocabulary. I sacrifice my time. I sacrifice my treasures for the cause of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for loving me the way you have loved me all these years. Now help me to love my neighbor and way beyond. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.